You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. Today we start our series, Faith of the Faithful. We'll be looking at Hebrews 11, where the writer of the book of Hebrews lays out a hall of fame of people of faith. What is faith to us? Is it something that people can see? Is it more than just belief? Some theologians have said that faith seeks understanding, while critics have said that faith is the dispelling of belief, even the ignoring of evidence. This is our focus for today. Dr. Francis Collins, who's um, the head of the Human Genome Project, and before a couple weeks ago actually had been the director of the National Institutes of Health, he wrote a book called The Language of God. And in that book, he talks about his own experience as a scientist coming to faith. And um, he, he describes his journey from being an agnostic, somebody who says they can neither know whether there is a God or isn't a God, to being an atheist, someone who denies the existence of God, and then finally becoming a Christian, someone who believes and has faith in, in God. And Collins, in his book, he talks about how um, when he was a med student, he came face-to-face with people every day who, who had incredible challenges and difficulties, even to the point of being close to death. And he was so struck by these people who, he says, whose faith provided them with a strong reassurance of ultimate peace, be it in this world or the next, despite terrible suffering that in most instances they'd done nothing to bring on themselves. And as Collins ministered to these people, as he kind of came alongside them in these last days of their life and was struck by the faith that they held, he finally came to this conclusion and he said, if God exists, then he must be outside the natural world and therefore the tools of science are not the right ones to learn about him. The evidence of God's existence would have to come from other directions and the ultimate decision would be based on faith and not proof. So there are people out in the world like Collins who was educated in science, educated in um, things that some people have said would be contrary to faith and belief. And then there are other people in this world who have been educated who would completely deny the existence of God. A noted atheist, Richard Dawkins, in his book said, faith is the great cop-out the great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. Faith is belief in spite of, even perhaps because of, the lack of evidence. So we've got on one hand Collins, who's a scientist who embraces faith, and then on the other hand we have someone like Dawkins who says that not only is faith not real, but it's basically a crutch. How is it that we reconcile these things together? that we say that there are people on both sides here? Is, is it fair to call faith a cop-out? Do we completely suspend our beliefs and disbeliefs when it comes to having faith? Well, when we think of the word faith, what do we think of? And some of the theologians, people who have studied about God over the centuries have called faith, some, is faith seeking understanding. In 
Augustine, who was one of the fathers of the church, said, I believe in order that I may understand, saying that his beliefs um, led him to a better understanding, a deeper understanding of God. In the words of Daniel Migliori, who's a a theologian, he said, Christians want to understand what they believe, what they can hope for, and what they ought to love. And he lays out there for us, any of anyone who reads that, this idea that uh, faith and hope and love are, are good bases for faith. Faith seeks understanding to, to constantly know more and be enlightened more. It's not blind assent, as some people have claimed for it to be, but it's a, it's a pursuit of understanding. And even in scripture, we see in Mark chapter nine, a father who's desperate for his son, his demon-possessed son, to be healed. And he says to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. And so when we think about belief and we think about faith, we also need to understand that it's, it's a gift given to us by God that allows us to hope for what's unseen. Daniel Migliori also writes that faith in God revealed in Jesus Christ sets an inquiry in motion, fights the inclination to accept things as they are, and continually calls into question unexamined assumptions about God, our world, and ourselves. And Paul Tillich, a philosopher and theologian, writes that where there is faith, there's an awareness of holiness. And so as we look at all this, one thing that seems apparent, at least to me, is that faith is action, that there's a pursuit of something. If we say that we have faith, then it's not just idle. It doesn't just sit there, but there's actually something that comes beyond it. Faith pursues, faith seeks. And I would go so far as to say that the big difference between faith and belief is that faith is belief with action. Faith is belief with hands and feet. So if you get nothing else out of today, if you think this is a complete boring message, at least hear this, that faith is action. Faith is belief with action. In fact, in the book of James, the apostle James writes in the second chapter about the difference in some ways between faith and belief. In In James chapter 2, verses 18 and 19, he says, Someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So, you know, James is throwing it down right there. And he's saying, guess what? Like, you can say that you believe all you want. I'm going to associate you with demons because they believe too. They believe in God but they don't have a faith that results in action, a belief with hands and feet. But faith isn't the absence of doubt either. And I think sometimes, especially within the church, we get into this place where we think that, well, to have faith means we suspend belief, we suspend disbelief, that doubt is the opposite of faith, and that's just not the case. Faith is pursuit even when doubt persists. And so today we embark on this journey towards Christmas. And some of us might be still lamenting the fact that we walked into stores this past week to see what the Halloween clearance was and we heard Christmas music coming from the speakers or we saw Christmas uh, 
ornaments out, you know, to me, I, I've gotten a little bit better as I've gotten older. I, I used to start thinking about Christmas in July, um, but uh, now I think that it's okay to at least listen to stuff because I can't listen to all the Christmas music I'd like to listen to from Thanksgiving to Christmas. I'm sorry. So I may be that guy that you despise. I apologize if that's the case. My wife told me this week that she's reached a new record and finished all Christmas shopping um, by the time Halloween was over. So I have no idea how she did that. I'm just going to take credit for it when she gives the, the presents to my kids, I guess. So, um, But we're embarking on this journey as we move towards Christmas, as we meet, move through Advent, looking at faith. And in, we're going to look at um, one chapter in the book of Hebrews, this letter that was written to the early church, the early church who is struggling, who was trying to wrestle through this idea of faith even as they faced all kinds of difficulties. And the place that we'll land once we come to Christmas is in the words of the author of Hebrews is looking at the author and the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, the one who endured shame, the one who endured abuse and opposition and persisted because Jesus knew what it all would lead to. Jesus knew what the end goal was. And instead of looking at the entire book, we're just looking at Hebrews chapter 11, which if you're familiar with the 11th chapter of Hebrews, um, it's a hall of fame of sorts that we look through and we read about all these people that we also see in scripture who have gone before and who have shown us what faith looks like. It's not simple belief, but there's action that's associated with that. And those people who pursued their faith through doubt, they pursued their faith through pain, through the unseen and unfulfilled promises. And the writer and author of Hebrews eventually comes to this place where he says that some of them did not see and receive what they had been promised. And so we'll start that journey today and keep going up through Christmas as we look week after week at some of these people who have shown what it means to have faith. So if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. It'll be up on the screen as well. If you're using a device, Hebrews 11, it's easy to scroll, scroll towards the bottom, which is towards the end of the New Testament. We're reading in the New International Version this morning, just the first three verses. And this is what the author of Hebrews says. He writes, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And right there in verse 1, the author of Hebrews gives us a definition of faith, that it's confidence, it's a foundation, is another way of saying it. it's something that's placed underneath. Now, some, some of you know that I have a background in engineering, and one of the things that I had to do when I was getting my engineering degree was take structures classes, because in structures, you determine whether or not something can, can actually hold the, whatever you're putting on it whether that's a, a live load, which means moving things like on a bridge with cars or people in a building or a dead load, something that just sits there like furniture. And you look at 
the two biggest uh, materials that were used in, in building, at least that we looked at, were concrete and steel. And sometimes those things were put together. And you always had to determine whether or not what you were putting on this material would be able to be held that would that material be strong enough? Was it thick enough? Did it have enough in order to be able to hold all that you were putting on it? And I wonder when we think about that with buildings and bridges and other things, do we ever think about that with the things that we put our faith in? Do we think about doing a structural analysis of where we're putting our faith? Of asking, if I put my faith on this, is it gonna hold? Or is it going to fail? Does it have the capacity to carry whatever I'm placing on it? We build on what we hope for and have assurance of. Like, I think hope goes hand in hand with faith. Hope isn't something that we have looking at the past. It's something that we're looking for in the future. It's something that propels us along, not something, not hope in something fleeting or passing, but hope in the promises of God. Hope is always something that's coming rather than something that we've already received. And why do we hope and in what do we hope? We hope as followers of Jesus Christ, we hope in the promises of God. Do we find hope in empty promises? No. Anyone who's watched the show Ted Lasso knows the first season ends with this, this uh, episode it's called It's the Hope That Kills You. And you think about sports people and how many times, I'm a Red Sox fan, and before 2004, man, hope was the thing that killed us because we kept hoping for something more. And, and in that show, they, they keep hoping that they could win, but where are they putting their hope in? They're putting their hope in their own talents. They're putting their hope in something that over and over and over again, it's dashed their hopes. Those hopes lie on the floor, crushed. And so we need to ask ourselves, where are we putting our hope? Where are we putting our faith? Are we doing an analysis to say that the thing that is holding our hope, the thing that's holding our faith can actually withstand that? Your faith is in what we can't see, what we can't put our hands on, what we can't look at. Honestly, I think this is one of the reasons why Christians sometimes get obsessed with pictures of Jesus because we have a hard time with faith. We have a hard time with hope when we can't see something. And so we we try to create pictures that help us say, okay, well, that's what he looks like, all right? Like, Now I can get it in my head and have a picture. For us, it's really hard to put our faith and our hope in something that we can't see. But what if we can't can't see it? What do we do with it? And if we can see it, is it really faith? I don't know if, if we defy the definition of faith if something's right there in front of us. Because faith is, is hope in something that we can't see, as the author here says. You know, there's a leap of faith that's required of us in believing. 
I'm a big movie fan, and anyone who's seen the Indiana Jones movies knows. And in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, there's a, a great scene where Indiana Jones is trying to save his father. And he is standing there on this precipice, and he sees where he needs to go, and it looks like just this empty chasm between him and, and that door. And he has to make this leap of faith and, and he does it and finds out that the thing that, that he was hoping would be there is actually there. I, I don't recommend that for us, by the way, to stand on the edge of a cliff and hope that there's a, 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 a walkway there. But, but that's what's required of us in faith is to take this leap out in hoping for what's in the future and saying, are the promises of God enough for me to put my faith in? Can they hold this hope? Can they hold this faith? And I think one of the things that I'm going to remind myself and remind us all through this series is that when we look at the steps of faith of other people, when we go walking through this chapter and looking at this hall of fame of people of faith, we have to remind ourselves that God calls us all to different acts of faith. You know, it can be really easy for us to play that comparison game and say, man, I don't have the same faith as that guy did. And we go through these people in this chapter and we think like, okay, like, look at Moses, look at Abraham, look at all these people. Man, I don't, I don't hold a candle to them. But God's not calling you to be Abraham. God's not calling you to be Moses. God's calling you to be who he's made you to be. And we need to remember that. We don't measure our faith by whether or not we do what other people have been called to do. We measure our faith of whether or not we're doing what God's called us to do. You see, the act of faith that God calls us to may look very different from the act of faith of someone else. And we need to remember that. We need to be reminded of that as we journey through this and see these different stories of faith. Verse 2 says the ancients were commended for their faith. And this is one of those times where uh, I do not like the New International Version translation of this. And if you have any familiarity at all with, with the original languages, you sometimes have to look back and say, like, what does that word really mean? And in my opinion, commended isn't the greatest translation because the Greek word that they're translating here is commended is the Greek word martyreo, which if you're familiar with the word martyr, uh, anyone know what a martyr is? It's somebody who gives themselves up for their faith. And that, I, that word in Greek, it means to testify, to give testimony to. And so really what verse 2 says is that the ancients, the elders, those who have gone before us, that they gave testimony to this faith through how they lived. It says they're commended for it, but what it really means is that they were ones who showed in their testimony, in their witness, that they believed this faith. Pastor and, and commentator John Stott said, they anticipated the fullness of God's promise, the fuller revelation in Christ, but they did not witness its realization. And as we read through the names in this chapter, the people that we look at in this series, we may say, well, they had signs and wonders. 
you think like, man, could you imagine what it was like to be Moses, to be standing on the edge of the sea and to see it parted? Like, I've never seen that. So man, heck, I'd have faith if I could see that. Like, how about Abraham? And you're thinking like, man, my wife and I, we're well past the age of childbearing, and yet somehow or another, my wife, she's knocked up. Like, how are we going to reconcile that? And we say, well, I, I, can't, I can't believe, I can't have faith because I haven't seen some of those things that the ancients, that the elders, that those who have gone before us, that they saw. And yet one thing that they didn't have was Jesus. One thing that they didn't have was the fulfillment in flesh of what had been promised. They had been promised reconciliation. They had been promised redemption. They had been promised freedom. And they tasted it a little bit here and there. But until Jesus came along, none of them fully realized what God's plan was. They just kept hoping. They just kept praying that it would come, that they would be redeemed. They didn't have the Holy Spirit present and residing within them, giving them power, giving them what they need. I got an amen from her. Come on, let's go. But these heroes who had gone before, these heroes who didn't have the benefit of Jesus, who didn't have the benefit of the Holy Spirit. If this list of heroes was able to accomplish what they accomplished without the knowledge of who Jesus was, without the power within them of the Holy Spirit, how much more should we be able to accomplish in our faith? How much more confidence should we have knowing the things that we know? And even as much as we can see, even as much as we know, still, we only see in part. Like Paul says in the book, or in his letter to the church in Corinth, that we see now in part. One day we'll see in full. And yet even in that partial view, just like those that we look at through Hebrews 11, we put our faith in the fact that it will come that God's promises are true. If we could see it all, it wouldn't be faith because faith moves not in what is seen, but in what is unseen. Our faith leads us to understand that God spoke and the universe came into being. And we see that in verse three. Faith isn't seen, but everything that we see was formed from nothing. The way that theologians would, would describe it, they would say that it's creation ex nihilo, which means creation out of nothing. And that's what the author of Hebrews is saying here, that it was out of nothing. God had no raw material by which to create, but there was nothing, and he spoke into the nothing And in his word speaking came creation, came all that we see. From the unseen came the seen. And we come to know that it was through God's spoken word that that took place. And as we move through this series, we move towards not just God, not just through God's spoken word, but towards God's written word and word made flesh. 
As John wrote in his his gospel, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, God's word caused creation to come into being. And then God's word brought redemption to humanity. God's spoken word caused creation to come into being. And then God's word made flesh brought redemption to humanity. So what do we do with all this? A couple of things as we journey through this together to keep not just for today and this week, but as we walk through this chapter in Hebrews together, two questions that I think we need to be asking ourselves over and over again. The first one's this, do we have faith or do we just believe? And can we measure the difference? Can we see what the difference is between one and the other? Knowing that belief is faith with act, or faith is belief with action, with hands and feet, with wings even. And so ask yourself, do I believe or do I actually have faith? And then the next question after that is, if faith is action, if faith is belief in action, how do others see my faith? Like, do other people see that? And I think one of the things we always have to be careful of is that, like, Seeing our faith doesn't mean, you know, necessarily like praying in a restaurant before we eat. Doesn't mean stopping and doing devotions. That may be part of it. But do people see that we make steps of faith in our everyday? And again, just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that God's what, that's what God's calling you to do. But ask yourself as you go through your day, what are the things that people see in me that let them know that I have something more than just belief, that I really have faith. Let me pray for us. God, thank you. Thank you for this journey that we're undertaking, that we're on, to really ask ourselves, hey, do I have faith? Is my belief something that's been put into action. And God, I pray that you would grow our understanding. You would grow our faith as we see those who have gone before us and show us what it means to understand you. And then even when we don't fully understand, God, to continue to press in and press towards you in that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith is belief with hands and feet. What does our faith look like? Is it evident in how we live and in what we do? Do the people around us see it? As we walk through Hebrews 11, we'll read the accounts of people of faith who have lived before us, the great cloud of witnesses who have attested to their faith in the promises of God. I hope you'll join us next time. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.